ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sells Podcast, episode 99. Ooh. The penultimate. Ooh. Yeah, getting there. Uh, this is a podcast where a comedian talks to a relationship therapist. And today, we're taking a uh, big tonal shift from the last podcast, and we're talking about sex tips. Ooh, naughty. So, uh, we're going to talk about sex tips. It was originally going to be sex tips just for men, but I think... We gotta be equal, okay? I think we should talk about sex tips for both men and women. So uh, All right. I had a <laughs> I had an Instagram story uh, up just asking people to send in some sex tips. So we're gonna go over some of those. But mm. uh, we're gonna have some if we have any personal sex tips as well. Uh, I don't know if I can talk and I don't know how much authority <laughs> I have on this subject, but well, 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 well you know. If if any if we've learned anything from uh the popularity of Fresh and Fit. If you want to have a very popular podcast, you just got to speak with absolute authority and never yes. question your own views or ideas. So <laughs> brace yourself for Neil's just 10 out of 10 sex tips that are going to get, you know, your partner orgasming 10 times in an hour. So that's what's coming. <laughs> very good. How are, how are you feeling, Eliza? Well, good. I'm excited for this one. I love talking about sex, so um, it's always happy days for me. I'm sure this hour will go really fast for us. So, yeah, I am good. How are you? Yeah, great. I uh, love talking about sex. Well, you know what? I, I love having sex more than talking good. about it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but uh, I don't mind talking about it. Depends how people are talking about it. Uh, there's a lot of cringy conversations about sex. Mm-hmm. I'm yes, sure to some people this will be, but you know what? We're going to do it anyway. So here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You know do what? People we'll, start, find we'll, start, it? we'll start with like yeah. some of the, let's start with some of the tips that I got from this Instagram story. Okay. So I just yeah. put out an Instagram story saying, uh, what are some sex tips you have for, oh, that's uh, Marvin Gaye playing there. You or the opposite gender. Um, and we've got some here. Don't just go down on a woman thinking that's enough or appropriate foreplay. I feel like that. I feel like we've talked about that on previous podcasts as well. But look, if you if you don't know that one yet, uh, look, there's a lot of people that won't even go down on someone. And there's a lot of people that maybe don't even like it. A lot of these are individual. A lot of these are individual. Yes. But generally speaking, the biggest, biggest takeaway I took from a lot of the, the women uh, answering this question talking about men was that the sex doesn't start with the action of intimacy it starts even at the date it's the mood it's the atmosphere it's the way you speak it's the it's the tension that you're building with the eye contact with the subtle flirtation all of that is that correct eliza well i feel like we gotta unpack that one further oh okay (laughs) i have a lot to say on that one all right all right go ahead okay all right we'll go now okay so Yes, it's true for some women that you need that whole contextual setup kind of going there. But you might find as a man, let's say, and you've been wanting to have sex with your girlfriend or your wife for months and she's not engaging in it. And then you're putting on all these romantic gestures every weekend and she's still not having sex with you. And for those kind of situations, it's not applying, it's not working. So I think what's really interesting to know is that 30%, so almost a third of women never, 
ever or have never experienced spontaneous sexual desire. So that's why we say things like this because it's like, you know, it's not going to hit you out of the blue where they're all of a sudden they're horny and they're like, let's, for a third of women, let's have sex. Um, Some women do, but it's actually quite uncommon. So I've talked about um, this book a lot. And I'll probably talk about it a lot during this podcast because it is is honestly the best book I've ever read on sex um, desire. And it's Come As You Are by... Who's it by? Emily Nagoski. Nagoski? Nagoski. Something like that. It looks like this. It's bright pink. It's the best book you'll ever read. But basically, the kind of fundament of it is that Every single person has, you know, you know how we've heard about in psychology, there's your central nervous system and then we have your sympathetic nervous system. So like when you're in fight or flight or you're nervous, your sympathetic nervous system is agitated. And then you have the parasympathetic nervous system, which is, you know, the deep breathing that calms you down, getting you back to baseline, all those kind of things. So similar to that kind of concept, um, there's a lot of research that shows that we have the same almost systems with sexuality and desire, particularly for women. And what's really interesting about this book is it shows how different it is for men and women statistically through studies and things like that. So you have the sexual excitement system, which is called also called the accelerator, which means things that make you basically, which turn you on, uh, that are spicy and things like that. So you might, that might be the dates and all the stimulation or things like that. And then you have the sexual inhibition system also called the breaks. And that's things that turn you off, the ick, or even just general threat or feeling potential threat. Um, And that could be stress and mental health and things like that. So the basis of this book is that every single person has um, the two systems, the accelerator and the brake. But some are led more by the accelerator, some are led more by the brake, some are 50-50, sometimes it's a combination of both. So the only way it says to engage in sexual, get sexually aroused is to not have your energy on the brakes, but to have it on the accelerator. Unfortunately, for a lot of women, they're much more inclined to naturally go towards being... um, having the brakes on. So they're subconsciously potentially looking for reasons why they can't have sex. And that could be like the house isn't cleaned. I'm stressed. He hasn't done this. He hasn't put any effort in. Whereas men are more inclined to have be more accelerate, like have more of the acceleration side where they don't need a lot of things in place prior in order to get desire and aroused. Um, So it's really interesting to know where you sit on that scale. Interesting. Um, and yeah. in fact, there's a there's a great uh, little saying that I think sums up a lot of this. It's it's that uh, something along the lines of basically, you know, for for men to uh, not feel stressed and for men to feel connection, they need sex, and mm. for women to want sex, they need connection. And yes. so there's these kind of counterintuitive forces at play, and it's a struggle to navigate the struggle of yeah. the, the straits. 
So, and we've done a we've done a podcast on that. It's the heterosexual uh, yes. double bind. Of so, course. So look into that. And basically, if you're high on the accelerator, um, you respond very readily to any kind of stimuli, or sometimes it just gets you spontaneously. And only two to six percent of women have that. So you got to think, whereas majority of the men have that. So you got to think it's very, very different. I actually have, maybe I could like read it out, take two minutes, a quiz to show you where you sit on, on the scale. Because when you know about yourself, that's how you can um, unlock your sexuality, which is why I particularly encourage women to read this book. Or if you're a man listening to this with a female partner, to read this book or do this like two minute quiz because it's going to show you, you actually, she might be saying, or he might be saying, I just don't experience desire much, but really it's the circumstances aren't exactly right for you. But a lot of people aren't aware of what the circumstances need to be. So should we do it? Because I've got it in front of me. We will get you to read that very shortly, but uh, just before we do, We have a new sponsor on this podcast, so this is very exciting. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, you can see i got this nice jacket, but underneath it, I've got this beautiful earthy T-shirt. It's a wonderful dark blue color. You can see the nice little earthy logo there. If you're not watching on YouTube, you're missing out. And so uh, that is our new sponsor, Earthy. It's an Australian sustainable clothing brand. All their garments are certified organic cotton and certified by the Fair Wear Foundation to be ethically made. Each one is screen printed by hand in South Coast, New South Wales with unique earth-inspired designs using eco-friendly inks. And there's so many benefits to organic cotton. First of all, I've been wearing this for ages. It feels very nice. Um, There's no toxic pesticides and fertilizers Mm. being introduced into the environment for the sake of producing clothes. And workers are protected because uh, they're not exposed to these chemicals. So go to imearthy.com.au, www.imearthie.com.au. They've got a beautiful range of clothing and you want to use the code SEXCELLS, S-E-X-C-E-L-L-S. You get 15% off all orders and... For anyone who uses these codes when making a purchase, they're going to donate $5 to the foundations that they support. In fact, they already support that. They, they donate $1 for every shirt that goes towards the Australian wow. Conservation Foundation and Sea Shepherd Australia. They're going to donate $5 if we use the code SEXCELL. So, I mean, this is, a, this is clearly the most ethical clothing brand in the world, let alone Australia. I'm Earthy, I-M-E-A-R-T-H-I-E.com.au. It's very well fitted, by the way. I, I very rarely get T-shirts that fit well without me having to tailor them. So good on you. They've got that M, that male medium, perfectly fitted. I love this. <laughs> I literally, not I'm saying this because of the sponsorship, but as soon as this podcast ends, I'm buying some because I love the ethics behind that. And I love Sea Shepherd as well. So I'm glad that they support that. But it's the more actually, I, I'm getting really, really into sustainable clothing. And it's so important. Actually, you can link it to what this podcast is about, about how pesticides, harmful dye, all of these things impact your 
hormones um, and it's known to impact your arousal levels, your fertility, your ovulation for men and women. So what you put on your body is not just what goes in. It's also what goes on your body that can be influencing things like colognes and things like that. So so many things, so many pesticides yeah. and chemicals and all those it's things. It's crazy so and it's it. so hard to just avoid. Earthy. But you can. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, um, wow. Check out that website. Check out their amazing range of clothing. And we're also sponsored by Crush Organics. Uh, we will get to Eliza's quiz soon. But Crush Organics have a huge range of CBD oil products. Uh, they've got the platinum oil, the diamond oil, the everyday oil. They got uh, pain creams. They got bath bombs. They got CBD oil for your pets. And just make sure if you haven't used it before. Start off with two to three drops. Uh, use it as the label directs. If you've got some previous medical conditions or something like that, make sure you're well aware of all that. But uh, otherwise, crushorganics.com, crush with a K. Use the code Neil. You get 40% off. And they've been a sponsor here for quite some time. So big shout out to Crush Organics. Thank you very much. You are uh, ensuring that this podcast is sustainable and continues on. So uh, now that we've gone through those sponsors... Eliza, let's get to this quiz. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, good. There's only 10 questions, five in each section, um, and you just, rate yourself on... Yeah. Just quickly, is, is, is it just for women? No, no. It's oh, for, right, I had cool. Adrian do it two minutes oh, before do the it. podcast. I'm going to do it Yeah, will well. you share your results? I was about to ask that. Okay. <laughs> so you will? Yeah, yeah. Do you, have cool. a pen and pa- do you have a pen and paper? Oh, no, I'll just say it out loud. Do I need a... Okay, okay, good. I'll write it then. I've got a pen here. Oh, okay. You kind of have to scale it on each question, scale on zero uh, to four. Right, right, right. Okay. So zero is not like me at all. One is not like me much. Two is somewhat like me. Three is a lot like me. And four is exactly like me. So the first five questions is about the brakes or the sexual inhibition system. Okay, you ready? Yep, let's do it. So unless things are just right, it's difficult for me to become sexually aroused. Zero. (laughs) I can see where this is going. Um, When I am sexually aroused, the slightest thing can turn me off. Zero. I have to trust a partner to become fully aroused. Zero. Oh my God, Neil. (laughs) (laughs) I'm worried about taking too long to become aroused or to orgasm, and this can interfere with my arousal. Uh, One, one or two, yeah. Um, Go the one. I'll put two. Okay. I'll put one one and a half. One and a half, yeah. Okay. Um, sometimes I feel so shy or self-conscious during sex that I can't become fully aroused. Uh, no, not so much anymore. Uh, is this is this throughout your lifetime or just currently? Currently. Then I'd go with a zero. Okay, so your score was one and a half <laughs> out yeah. of twenty. All right. Um, and that shows that you have an extremely low sexual inhibition system (laughs) which means there's not much that's going to be stopping you on your way so um that's interesting most men actually still sit in the middle of this um so 
you're actually very far up on yeah, I'm a little the scale. Back. Yeah, I scored basically the same as you. Don't worry. Okay, and now are you ready for part two? Yeah, let's go. Okay, so this is the sexual exciters. So the, the accelerators. All right. So often just how someone smells can be a turn on. Uh, yeah, th- uh, three, it's not like it, it can turn me on. It's not like I immediately get an erection or something. So we'll go with the three for that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Seeing my partner doing something that shows their talents or intelligence or watching them interacting well with others can make me sexually aroused. Yeah, three, three. Mm-hmm. Having sex in a different setting than usual is a real turn on for me. Zero. Zero. When I think about someone I find sexually attractive or when I fantasize about sex, I easily become sexually aroused. Yeah, it's uh, three or four, three and a half. <laughs> I love how you just go, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one is a bit hard because this last question is more geared towards women, but certain hormonal changes definitely increase my sexual arousal. Uh, yeah, it's very hard to gauge that, but I mean, mm. if it's something like, I th- I think I'm a bit more aware of some of the hormones that I might be experiencing, i.e. oxytocin and yes. if there's a momentary boost of uh, testosterone and, and likewise, if I'm yes. very stressed, yeah, I'm, I'm usually not, it's, it's, it's not as uh, potent, my sex drive when mm. I am very stressed. So yeah, I'd probably go with a, with a three on that one. Okay, so you were um, 12 and a half out of 20, Hmm. and that puts you perfectly medium. So I guess the purpose of this is to show you can be a combination. Some people can have high accelerators, like super high, and also have super high brakes. You can be both, or you can be neither, or you can be a combination of anywhere on either of those scales. So understanding where you're at, um, so women, are more likely to have lower ratings on the scale of excitement and higher ratings on the scale of breaks. Um, And men, it's the reverse. So really interesting to understand that about yourself. Um, And then this book also kind of gets into, well, how do you turn your breaks off so that you can increase your sexual arousal and desire and get turned on? And there's one um, study they did with like, I think it was like 220 women or they did a big study that showed what what is it that is turning women off and stopping them from having sex. And the biggest results that came out were feelings about their own body, um, their self-esteem, um, concerns about reputation, specifically for single women. And if they're having sex with multiple partners, it kind of turns them off. Um, unwanted pregnancy or conception. So being with a partner that doesn't seem to care about if he gets you knocked up is a big turnoff for women. Um, And feeling desired versus feeling used by their partner. So I talk about this heaps saying that the key to women's sexuality is often feeling desire. Um, And that can be such a big turn on for women is feeling like someone really desires them, not as just using them to have sex. Um, They also, yeah. Can I just jump in there? A lot of men, I would assume, would say, oh, when I've shown a lot of desire, maybe in a sort of single context where I'm trying Mm. to, uh, you know, woo someone, 
online or whatever it may be if i've shown too much desire that's a turn off as well and maybe they've had friends that have been a bit more dismissive been i suppose a stereotypical fuck boy i I, I think this would relate more to younger women but uh that sometimes seems to have the effect of the the girl being turned on yeah at least from their perspective so yeah which is another that's another part actually we should talk about that afterwards um specifically like you know an abusive relationships anyway um so the last two was feeling um accepted by your partner so if your partner does anything to shame you or say like i kind of find it gross like the sounds you make your sex drive is going to be killed as a woman um and also negative mood so if you're upset about anything as a woman you're unlikely to get sexually aroused by majority of women and then the study showed the opposite of what is the biggest turn-ons for women and it was having an attractive partner that respects them um, and accepts them as they are feeling trusting and affectionate in their relationship being confident and healthy both emotionally and physically feeling desired by their partners being approached in a way that makes them feel special and explicit erotic cues like erotica so women love (laughs) these novels of erotica um and seeing other people have sex so very other people have sex yeah yeah even if it's their partner (laughs) Uh, i don't know i mean i know the cuckold community is much more popular than the cuck queen community so there you go but very interesting i think a lot of a lot of guys they experience their sex drive very differently and when they're in a relationship mm. will take it personally if uh, their girlfriend doesn't want to have sex with them because they see yeah. that as a symbol of their commitment that they want to have sex yes. with the girl. And for any men listening, that's something that you have to learn to uh, not take personally and uh, not feel like she doesn't love you if she doesn't want to have sex. Because a lot of women probably, I'm assuming, probably feel bad that they're not turned on by someone who they love and cherish very deeply. Um, and, you know, it sounds like reading this sort of book and, and having a bit more open communication uh, would 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 contribute to that sex yeah. drive. But a lot of men really- also, to be a bit, cri- just really quickly, to be mm-hmm. a bit yeah. more critical is a lot of men just assume, oh, there's a commitment, there's a there's a you know there's there's a bond there that's that's actually what will increase um the the bonding chemical for men knowing that there's uh loyalty and that there's sort of principles in place that Mm. this is this is a serious connection um but um it's not necessarily what will do it for women and so then a lot of men actually stop trying to uh you know create that desire and, and just assume oh we're in a relationship you know, yes. the the uh, I know it's my duty to please her, and I would hope that that's reciprocated. Now, to a certain extent, that is true, but um, there there are other factors at play, and and you don't want to get into a relationship where it becomes a habit that a woman feels like she's having sex with you out of obligation because uh, that will you know not bode well in the long term. I know a lot of a lot of couples are in that situation, mm. and if you are in that situation, I mean, there's nothing. It's probably more normal than not, <laughs> to be honest. But um, there are other things to do. You know, the 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 game never ends. They still got to 
uh, create that excitement and romance and um, yes, that was um, that's a, a really big part of it. And what's really interesting is that a, a whole actually majority of romance novels are based off this concept of kind of that push pull thing, like a challenge to overcome. Um, and that's why we see like people always saying why women attracted to the fuck boys or why is every novel about like twilight vampires or werewolves and pirates like the bad boy turned good are always the most successful um novels where they lead up to have sex and then as soon as that happens and then they're in a loving relationship people stop reading the book before it's even ended they're like all right okay cool we've reached the climax now we can just fuck this book right off, um, which is really, really interesting. And it kind of ties into as well is why do some women actually find that they had the best sex of their life with a violent partner or an abusive partner, and then they have a beautiful, loving partner and they all of a sudden can't reach the same levels of arousal. Um, So there's a couple of reasons for that. And we've talked about this before as well, like what happens chemically in your body when you're with someone that is um, abusive. But basically, in a nutshell, we have something called attachment desire. So whoever we are specifically most attached to, um, our desire is um, like when you're dating early, we have a high level of arousal because we're wanting to secure that attachment. We're wanting to increase our bonding with them. So we're having sex all the time. Like you do an ill start. Well, a lot of people do at the start of a new relationship in the honeymoon phase because you're really wanting to like lock them in. And one of the most easiest ways to do that or feel that is to be having the sexual relationships and intimacy and what happens when you're in a unhealthy toxic relationship is your attachment is constantly under threat um so you're having sex in order to stabilize that and rebuild that attachment over and over and over again and so romance books and novels and movies play on that aspect where it's like even like Romeo and Juliet, like I shouldn't be with him, but I want to and things like that. All of them are based off that same concept of it's someone like the attachment is never going to be continuously secure. So there's actual Mm. ways for some women can literally only get sexual arousal from this and there are ways that you can um, bring that that into a healthy relationship. That's the big question there because, you know, you hear something like that as a guy and you're like, well, well then that's frustrating i mean you can't control it obviously yeah. it's biology but and it does make sense to a certain degree a lot of those sort of archetypes have traits that in in a mm. you know darwinian context would be very beneficial to the woman and and potential offspring but uh it's it's sort of a disincentive it disincentivizes men to be the loyal consistent loving boyfriend because you think yeah. well if, if i'm gonna do all that and i you know, it's less effort to be a fuckboy than it is to be a consistent loving boyfriend. So you think, well, if I'm going to be the consistent loving boyfriend and she's not going to be turned on, that's going to be a huge blow to the self-esteem. And and it's actually why a lot of men, I think today, are afraid of commitment. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, tell us uh, briefly some of those uh, things for, for established couples to uh, th- that they can employ to maintain the desire and then we'll go into maybe some 
specific, yeah. more just like action oriented. All right, if yeah. you do X, Y, Z, this is usually a turn on. If you do, you know, ABC, it's usually a turn off. Yeah, for sure. So it sounds a bit silly, uh, but one of the best things that you can do is prior to having sex is to actually have. Um, You're going to say do a fight? An act- <laughs> no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's good. Like you said, it's the easiest option, which is why people like the Fresh and Fit podcast can get a lot of women and have sexual relationships with them, but cannot maintain any kind of romantic relationship because it's not sustainable. But what you can do in a healthy way is two things. One of them is do an activity together prior to any sexual relationship so before that day um or the day of earlier in the morning do something that raises your heart rate and this is scientifically backed um something that you find exciting so it could be going on like a really like a new bushwalk finding a waterfall going on a roller coaster watching a horror movie those kind of things and then when your body goes into a state of excitement it goes into a state of Psychology calls it arousal and it doesn't mean sexual arousal. It just means arousal in general, like heightened senses. And then you look at your partner and you're the person you're with and your brain interprets it as this is the source of my excitement. So you're almost tricking yourself psychologically to be excited by your partner. And then that arousal, because you're kind of high and actually maintains throughout the day. So you can bring that into the bedroom so it's super interesting and then the second tip you can do is bring in some kind of challenge to your relationship something that is a little bit challenging not a fight um not something that's going to threaten your attachment but something that makes you feel vulnerable and it can be something as simple as having sex with the lights on or having sex and making eye contact and things like that can wildly drastically increase sexual desire because it's just that challenge that you have to overcome. Like it's the, like I said, is the basis of all the romance novels and erotica, like this challenge um, aspect. So it's an interesting random little tip, but yeah. Doesn't it just on a side note, doesn't it suck that uh, when you're in a healthy, consistent relationship, that's when you have to work more to maintain the desire and sex yeah, drive. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. our whole species and society be better if it was the other way around. I oh. know, but it's I the think same that... for men. It's not. It's not. Uh, just it is. Yeah. Really quickly, like it's. It's. Yeah. We're often aroused by, you know, the the. We can look at a girl and think, oh, that's someone who would be such a good partner. That's someone I can depend on. That's consistent. But then you see, I don't know, someone at the club. With a vape, with t- with tats. Hey, look, not to not to stigmatize tattoos here, but hey, again, a stereotype doesn't just fall out of the sky. And and you think, and and maybe someone who disagrees with you on a lot of things. I've actually found historically, I I get turned on with stuff like that. You <laughs> would, you but, would. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that can often evoke a lot more arousal. You know, when it's it's you're not supposed to do it when it's maybe in a professional uh, environment because you think, oh, it's just so – and this I know I've heard a lot of women say this as well. They fantasize about their boss or, you know, often men in a, in a position of authority. Um, and these are the sort of things that turn us on. And it sucks that it's not just, hey, here's this, like, wonderful husband and or wife that does everything is that is expected of them and, and is very consistent and loyal and fulfills their – obligations yeah 
that that doesn't get us turned on, which kind of sucks. But uh, whatever, yeah, it's it is an, what it is. It's an ongoing thing that you have to maintain effort into, which I think people don't understand. I've said this a thousand times that people will take their decrease in desire and, and and arousal and interpret it as this relationship isn't fulfilling or my subconscious isn't feeling right about this. There is a small uh, percentage of the lucky few that do have continuous spontaneous sexual desire um, and they look for that in their partner and things like that and it's not impacted. But for majority, it's, it is um, like that. And I think that the final kind of point that I want to say as well um, is it talks this book specifically, but also basically everything to do with research on sexual desire shows that the biggest killer of sexual desire is stress. Um, And so if you're stressed, you're in survival mode. And unfortunately, despite what people think, we do not need sex in order to survive the night. Um, So it becomes a lower priority. And that's why sometimes women that are stressed about things um, have lower sexual desire because they're more likely to be stressed about the state of the house, the thinking of work, those kind of things. Um, and then they find that they can never get, have sex. And like you said before, like, um, you know, the kind of cliche of, of men and women, there's this example of how this couple, um, were going away to like, the mountains together and they really were hoping to have an escape to connect again with intimacy so they did everything right everything was sorted out in the week leading up and they're driving there they're stopping at all these sites they get the roses the chocolate they light the candles and then all of a sudden she cannot go through with it and it was because the level of expectation was what was stopping her then and it was like this impossible wall she couldn't get past. And then what happened for this woman is she had a meltdown about it. And then all of a sudden she had a meltdown. They had this fantastic rebonding sex straight afterwards, which is really interesting. And that's why people say makeup sex can be the best sex. Um, Or sometimes when you have like some kind of anxiety meltdown and all of a sudden you and your partner are having sex and it's 10 out of 10, it's like completely random, but it's also not and when you understand your own sexual desire though it makes a lot of sense as to why and so a lot of it is some people it's not about the accelerators or the brakes it's not about turning off the brakes and turning on the accelerators it is purely only on context um and for those people they it is their responsibility it's not your partner's responsibility to to make everything right for you. It's your own responsibility. And so the te- the kind of strategies are actually different for people that are like that, that are stressed out by everything and being like, I can't do it because this isn't done. I haven't hung out my washing and things like that. They actually need to sit down and plan sex and they need to think about in their head, these kind of things are going to come up. This is what I'm going to do. Like they're going to know the potential barriers. They're going to do all this work plan it out tonight i'm gonna do it and then the whole day this is another strategy is to literally repeat the mantra in your head of trying to change your identity and say i am a woman who loves sex and because when you say to other people or you're saying to yourself i just don't have a sex drive a low sex drive you you're gonna fulfill that if you go, if you start, if you have an average or low sex drive and you start genuinely trying to believe that you have a high sex drive, 
or that you can get a high sex drive that come a lot of it is psychology it's um very interesting but anyway let's get on to the tips okay <laughs> get on the tip well, that was a very intellectual uh <laughs> way to increase sexual desire <laughs> we're gonna get somewhere not to not to uh you know be too critical of well, my own followers who sent in some of these tips, but there was a very, there was a limited uh, scope for the answers. There's only a couple of, there was a word limit here. So, um, yeah, that's right. We had the one about don't go down on women thinking that's enough. We got pay attention to your partner's whole body and use your whole body. It's more, and use your whole body. It's more than just genitals. I feel like that's mm-hmm. self explanatory, but I think a lot mm-hmm. of younger people maybe need to. It's all, it's practical. Some of these are very sort of vague sentiments, rather than okay, specifically use your hand to do this. It's it's just, yeah, use your whole body, be in the moment. These sorts of things um, are very contextual, and also, you know, this is actually going against some guys' nature. It's also to to flip it a little bit to maybe have a compromise. Sometimes men don't want a whole big, you know, to this huge arousal process before and want to just have sex spontaneously out of nowhere. And I know, mm. you know, that's going against the nature then for some women there. But uh, oh, uh, Look, both yeah. of our pets just came in at the same time. How <laughs> <laughs> um, cute. But, you know, if, if, if you ever do feel like, all right, I just want to do something for my boyfriend today, um, just probably just, you know, stroke his ego with the with the sex. I think that's a good one. Stroke his ego and stroke his... Stroke everything, you know. Be, yeah. A lot of men do like it when the girl is very, first of all, vocal, uh, vocalise yourself. Yeah. Don't, and, and, you know, that's also the responsibility of the partner, sure, if you're not being vocal, it could be on them, but, like, it can also be a self-fulfilling thing where, like, if you're being very vocal and moaning and maybe even saying things, then, look, that turns him on more and it gives him a lot of confidence and then, yeah. he, you know, you'd rather be fucking a man with confidence rather than one who's, all right, you've got to get off this too. This is NSFW, shorty. Get off. <laughs> You're too young for this, shorty. <laughs> she, had, she had kids. She had kids very young. So I think uh, before, okay, before I get into some of these other um, answers, in my, what have I learned? Okay, <laughs> in my, in my expert tips, um, what do I the vocal, the vocal one is a big one for me. Uh, mm. When I've had uh, ca- casual partners previously, most of, most women are very vocal naturally. But then once or twice, I've had a girl that just was a, a, a vocal starfish, if you want to call it that. Now that could be me. That could definitely be me not uh, doing the right things. But uh, considering that was a very much a small minority, I like to think it was not me. And maybe she, maybe she had some inhibitions or something. That that's totally fair as well. But just be, be vocal. Be, be as vocal as you want. You know. Uh, I mean, maybe there's a limit to it as well. But I think a lot of guys really do like that. Yes, um, and so do women because men are much more quiet in the bedroom than women are. That's um, true. So I think every girl I know says it's so sexy when a guy makes noises and not just dirty talking because it's interestingly that i find women are more comfortable moaning and less comfortable dirty talking and men are more comfortable dirty talking and less comfortable moaning Mm. um so both of us could try mix up on the other end of what we're least comfortable with because a man that can show that he's enjoying it is 
very, very sexy. So, but do, but would women like a man who moans in the way a woman would, or was is it more like just other vo- vocal, like grunting? Yeah, grunting. <laughs> yeah, <more> yeah. <laughs> caveman noises. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right, so I got yeah. one here. Uh, jerk up more than down. I don't know if I agree with that one, but that's an. Interesting I read that one. and I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't heard but that. Let let us know in the comments, boys, if you agree with that one. Uh, chicks can get very sensitive after orgasm. It can hurt to keep going after we come. It's a good one to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sucking harder isn't always pleasurable. Being gentle can go a long way. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's true. That's true. And you mix yeah. it up, you know, if you, you want to go hard for a bit, but then but then slow it down and just, you know, lick the tip. Wait, what, what was the one before that again? Um, chicks can get very sensitive after orgasm. It can hurt to keep going after we come. Oh yeah. One quick point is it's always hot. If you can make a girl orgasm, we can't always expect that that's going to happen. And Mm. we know that that is one of the big inhibitors. That's a big sexual break, um, where it gets into a woman's head that a man is, or a partner is expecting me to have an orgasm and therefore they are stopping themselves from having an orgasm because they're in their head about it. We've all talked about this before about, you know, it's very, very psychological and it's 17% of women only can have vaginal orgasms. So it's very uncommon that a woman can orgasm just from vaginal penetration. 17. And yeah. Um, so not even one in five and oh. Then on top of that, there's a little bit more. I think I can't remember the stat. Like maybe like 50 to 60 percent of women can orgasm with clitoral stimulation, but that's still not everyone. So my biggest tip is don't tell a woman come for me, especially if you're a new partner or you're it's a fling and it's not something that you've had sex with and you know how to make them orgasm because it's unlikely that a one-night stand is going to make you come or make a woman come genuinely without faking it um, if they are prone to faking it. If you've been together for a few months or you've had a lot of sex, maybe you can because you know exactly what it is, but every woman is extremely different in what it takes to make them reach an orgasm. So don't say, come for me, because chances are until you know how to do it, she's not going to. And it's Fair so point. awkward. I've told you this before, but it is so awkward when someone says come for me and then you're like, fuck, now I either have to fake it or ruin the moment and tell them, actually, you're probably not going to make me come. It's the first time we're having sex and you don't know what <laughs> what, what to do to make me come. Um, you know, like it's such an awkward yeah, thing. Look, just I'll don't just say it. That is a challenge. But... Say it while she's orgasming. Don't yeah. say it before, like demand it. Because then she's like, no one can just come on the spot. Maybe guys can because they can reach orgasm and ejaculate much more easily than women can. But, yeah, that's my rant. <laughs> there you go. Continue continue on your list. Well, a lot of, a lot of things uh, <laughs> in this podcast are going to sort of be interpreted as here are the things I need to do for my partner. A lot of it is also counterintuitive in that particularly a lot of men are so invested in in getting their partner to orgasm and just 
you know, having their, pra- being really good at sex and, and knowing mm. that they had a good time because, you know, we also know how uh, much uh, women will talk to their girlfriends about all the little details. So, you know, we want to make sure we put in a good uh, good performance. But actually, mm. if, you, if you just start to care more about your own needs, it'll often be good for your partner as well. Um, and I'm not saying completely ignore the the other person, but if you're just focused on them and you're yeah. sort of this like robot trying to, you know, appease their desires, that's not really creating that mutual intimacy that you want to mm. ultimately get to. You kind of got to be vocal about what you want as well. And, you know, don't be afraid to ask for certain things you might want and, and, yeah. and, and expect might not be the right word, but, um, you know, give hints towards what you you're into and what you like and yeah. yeah communication is so sexy when it's done right and it's so simple you don't have to be like hey next time we sex can you not do this can you try this instead just be like this feels so good when you do it like that yeah. that turns me on so much like all that kind of stuff works wonders both ways and it's important to say like what's good for you and what's working for you because you know you are equally um able to have the same level of sexual satisfaction than your partner is and you're equally deserving of that so you need to communicate that if there are certain things like if you want to be jerked up and not down (laughs) then (laughs) communicate that yeah there you go Uh, Mm. uh sucking harder isn't always pleasurable being gentle can go a long way we read that Mm. one don't be scared or proud to use toys hmm yeah, that was an interesting one. There was another uh, answer there saying, you know, such a turn on when a guy's got toys and he's not afraid to use it. But I couldn't help but think, man, that's a bit weird. A guy just being like, hey, here's my dildo drawer. Yeah, <laughs> use her toys on her. Did, did someone actually say that? Yeah, someone said, some? I'm pretty sure someone's like, when a guy has toys and he isn't afraid to use it. I... I but again, look, I don't know what the, what turns women on, but um, maybe that does. I wouldn't think that would work. I would be like, have you? How hygienic is this? And how have you sterilized these? And how many women have you used this? I would be like, nah, <laughs> I wouldn't want that. Use use the so, woman's toys. Something about a guy with a with like a dildo and vibrator drawer that just yeah, just just it just seems off. It gives me the ick. All right. Mm. <laughs> Uh, don't suck my balls like a vacuum. That shit hurts. <laughs> All right. Each it's, to their own. Yeah, each to their own. But it is very that good with the, with the you know, ball play. That definitely does feel good. But yeah, yeah you don't want to you don't want to suck it the way you suck the penis. You got to, I guess, be a bit more gentle with the balls. They are sensitive. So, well, some uh, guys love that though. Some guys are like fucking twist them around, yank on them, put high heels on and stomp on them, Ooh, you know? Like, all right. you never, some people love some. it. Yeah, well, okay. I personally no would not <laughs> enjoy ha- uh, being having high heels on my balls. I'm going to message Andrew and tell Maybe I'm in the minority. Let us know in the comments. Just lay there and I'll get both of us done easily. When you try, it hurts. A sore bloke. <laughs> All right. I hate. I hated that one. <laughs> that seems like one that's a very person. That one seems like yeah. he's communicating to one person directly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's got to say if it's making him sore, he's got to. 
Yeah, just tell them. Yeah, see this one. Owning your own sex toys to pleasure women and using them with confidence is very attractive. I was always going to make a comment there, but I was like, oh, I don't don't know. Maybe it's me, but uh, that seems seems odd. Just just a guy with multiple sex toys. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. To her, it's, it's a turn on. So mm-hmm. I can't comment, but we, we did speak about that one. Uh, it's really attractive to know your partner is having fun too, so express it loud and proud. Yeah. Don't only have sex to come. Go slow and truly feel intimacy and connection with the other person. Yeah. See, yeah, that's one I again. Think- that's one that's I, I, I'm assuming is coming from a, a woman here, and that's very true. Uh, men often do just want to, uh, I guess they're, they're, it's more fleeting and it's... As soon as we do arrive, we lose the sexual desire for the most part. Mm, And then some women take that personally. Now, I think as a guy, you should try and, you know, know, sort of of bring it down. If you want to say that, like like if if you've come, don't just immediately be like, oh, all right, I'm going to sleep now. Yeah. But at the same time, it's sometimes uh, it's going against what we're naturally feeling inclined to do. You know, we are, it, it, yeah. it can feel like an obligation to keep going for another five or 10 minutes with the, with the uh, intimacy after we've already arrived. Whereas mm. from what I've heard, that's not, you know, the, like the one that we heard here previously, like some women can be sensitive there after they've arrived, but uh, they don't necessarily want the sex to be over as soon as they've gotten their rocks off. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting thing that, you know, when a woman orgasms, it's extremely unlikely that a man will stop having sex with her until he comes. But when a man orgasms, it's most likely that he'll stop having sex with her before she comes. So think about that a little bit. I guess it's food for thought, but it makes sense. Like I understand both the sensitivities, the arousal, you can't help that. But I really like this comment about like, you know, focus on connection and the sensation and the actual enjoying the moment rather than just keep going to like come you know like of course, it's, yeah it takes it takes away from that moment it's so and also it's like it's a huge psychological barrier as well when you're thinking focusing so hard and i just gotta come i just gotta come like it's not as enjoyable De- yeah definitely definitely and then if you are in a relationship you're not just doing it to get your rocks off you're doing it to bond so you've got to have some compromise there i do think some a lot of these mm tips are framed in a way that it's like hey this is what women want and this is what men should do and i do think there needs to be compromise there on a on a collective level where okay that's very that's all very true but like i said sometimes men uh do have these other proclivities and desires and there's nothing wrong with a woman catering to that sometimes you know can be a bit of can be a bit of 50 yeah. 50 um i would like to say one i highly agree with that however also women have been rated women with men have been rated on the lowest level of sexual satisfaction um so the order was heterosexual men rated themselves having the highest sexual satisfaction then it was gay men then it was lesbian women and absolute last was heterosexual women with men rated the lowest sexual satisfaction so Keep that in mind, I think, men um, as well. Like, it's it is it's a two way party. You got to know each other's desires equally, and you're both obligated to you know 
be aware of what you want and what your partner wants and put in the effort for that. Um, I just think that sometimes men, and it's not their fault that they may not actually understand women's sexuality, but you you should learn about your partner and understand what goes on. Just like women need to learn that about men, but for, for a lot of men, it can be as simple as, I just want you to touch my dick. <laughs> and it's easy and that might be as far as they have to learn, whereas women, it could be, 50 different complicated things or whatever but either way learn what your partner wants and it might be the other way around could be super simple for a woman and much more complex for a man but you need to learn that about your partner even if it's a one night stand I think it's good to learn that and and ask them make it sexy you know like just yeah. learn about the other person is hard it's it's hard in a one night stand to you know really be too you should yeah but it can ruin them moment in the mood a little bit if you're too formulaic and asking a lot of questions yeah. like that but uh that's yeah look if you can have that conversation go for it um i think that's where some of the non non-verbal cues not just non-verbal cues but uh when you're not necessarily spelling it out but you're using vocal cues for example to sort of lead someone to 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 what you like um but yeah uh what's the next one be blunt and honest if you want if you want to be sexual with your date first date etc hints during the date are great but some guys don't see it if you are for if you are forward they will be too then everyone's happy emotionally and physically see now this is a perfect example of uh this is coming this is where i think the two perspectives clash as well and you know men are very direct and you know don't want to beat around the bush and Hey, look, can you, in an ideal world, hey, we're going on this date. Do you want to have sex or not? Because if you don't, then at least I know and mm-hmm. we can, I can sort of act accordingly. And I think that's what a lot of gay men have. They've got the grinder where they can yeah. just kind of like, hey, we're going we're gonna to fuck in this bathroom here um, in 20 minutes. Mad. Yeah. Let's do it. But uh, see, this is one where it's probably not natural maybe for a woman to say like at the top of a date hey look this is what i'm expecting from this date and this is what i want um but then it's also not necessarily natural for a man to be as uh, uh be as sort of effective at reading some of the non-verbal cues and 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 just understanding things without them being directly articulated so i i think this is one where there's maybe uh, it's a good it's a good point for compromise yeah yeah i think it i think it's a fair thing to say like you know if, or just encourage that if you are feeling sexual desire towards someone that you can say that um and there is a little bit of like dating um etiquette and for if you want to progress things sexually and i have to admit when i was like young in, and single in like my 18, 20 or whatever, in my early 20s, and I would go on a date with a guy and we're having fun. So I wasn't sure if I was going to sleep with them. Sometimes they'd invite me back to their place afterwards and I would just go and I I didn't understand. And then they'd try to have sex with me and I'd be like, mm, no, I don't feel like it, which is fine. Or I'm on my period or I'm going to go home. But which is totally fine to do, of course. And But I didn't realize until literally years later that, the etiquette is that if you're agreeing to go to someone's house at like 11 p.m., it's it's most likely assumed that that means that you're open to 
you know, exploring sexual advances or accepting sexual advances. Um, so it's kind of like one of those things that I think that men use a lot to be like, hey, would you like to come back for a cup of tea afterwards? It's almost their way of gauging if a woman tea. wants to. That's what they say. <laughs> it's always a cup of tea. Oh. Um, maybe because I don't drink alcohol. Maybe oh, so for oh, normal course. people, yeah, it's yeah, a drink. come that's back right, for a red, right. a nightcap or something. <laughs> for me, it's herbal tea. Yeah, see. Um, I- but yeah, I, I if if a, if I sat down with a girl on a date and she and I was single and and she was and she said, "Hey, this is what I'm expecting from this date. I am happy to go and have sex with you. I am feeling sexual desire." I'd be like, "What? what? No, no, I just <laughs> yeah, it's no, weird. Like, I don't want to. This feels like I'm paying. Then you know. It, but what it, if she? What if she said to you something like a bit more subtle, but was like, "I find your sense of humor really sexy." But that's exactly the 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 game, the flirtation game. It's it's sort of actually expressing each other's emotional intelligence in a way without directly saying I want to fuck you. Or yeah. I mean, you can you can get to the yeah. point where you say that. But that's I think uh, a sort of subconscious display of sort of I- I- intimacy intelligence, you could say. Mm. And that's where it is a turn on then. If you give those sort of mm-hmm. subtle hints and there's a bit of push and pull and there's flirtation and then, you know, you, you, if you can make a man feel like he around, he seduced you, you might be going onto, onto Tinder or whatever thinking, I just want to get a route tonight. But if you can make a man feel like, oh, you seduced me tonight. I wasn't sure what I wanted, but you were just so charming and good looking that you seduced me. That is going to, I think I can speak for a lot of men there and say that is going to be a big turn on. And women know that. That's yeah, why when they go home with guys, they always say, I never go home with yeah, guys. Yeah, but then, yeah, we, we, we catch on to that eventually. <laughs> oh, I don't and normally then he's do like, this. shit, you're yeah, like the right. fourth girl to tell me that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, what's next? Guys don't always want rough sex. Sometimes we want it to be romantic. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, balls gooch. And if you are really, and if you really talk about a prostate, I passed out from bliss. Yeah, fair right. enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe ask. Maybe you know. Yeah, I was going to say for that first, but definitely uh, yeah. ask about that one. For lesbians, lick that clip while using your fingers. That just seems. I I can't believe you. Surely a lesbian would know that, right? Yeah, for yeah. anyone. Yeah, why is it just for? Le- That's an interesting answer. Just for lesbians, mm. lick that clip while using your fingers. <laughs> Glad to Maybe know they- that it, it implies that, hey, men do, straight men do this, but lesbians don't. And lesbians are always <laughs> like, oh, you know, we're so much better at pleasing women. So there you go. Maybe you're not. Um, they still are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fingering is underrated. Done properly is one of the few ways to make squirting happen. Well, yeah. I mean, if the, the, those statistics, a lot of women don't come from, well, if we're, if we're talking about fingering, that's also clitoral, uh, you know, stimulation and not just... Uh, vaginal fingering then yeah Yeah. you gotta you gotta gotta work on that that's a good one (laughs) also the squirting thing we have to talk about it because you know how many times a guy has asked me are you a squirter like it's (laughs) like such a thing and i've even had people say like during sex are you gonna squirt like then you have to awkwardly be like no actually i'm i'm not a squirter or whatever or yeah i am i'm not going to disclose but very very small amount of women are squirters and some people can learn to do it but it's actually not like a 
a rush of you know sexual desire just pouring physically out of you it is literally that you lose inhibition to your bladder and although it's not urine it's an extremely it comes from where urine comes from it doesn't come vaginally okay so just remember that um and not that there's anything wrong with it squirting is sexy but don't expect that women can squirt because uh, 97% of the time, they can't. Having said that, you, from what I've, from, from, you know, the anecdotal evidence I've collected, um, <laughs> usually fingering is the way to achieve that yes. rather than um, yeah. Yeah. the other way. All right. <laughs> uh, I think you're right. Yeah. It, it's not just tongues during BJs. It's also the insides of your cheeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not wrong there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just be honest, most, if not all, partners will try to accommodate. Oh, all right. Um, ladies, if you're not sure how to give a proper handy, then don't try it. A bad hand job can be really painful. All right. Um, play with That his- one's hard because all guys like all guys like it differently when it comes to handies. All of them. Yeah. And I mean, look, no one's going to ever be as good as the, the guy's been doing it since he was 13 yeah. to himself. So I just don't even see the point of a partner giving a hand job. I, <laughs> no, like, really? I mean, like, yeah, sometimes a little bit with, if it's sort of complimentary to the blowjob, yeah. But just a hand job, I'm like, well, I can, like, there's just no point. This is one of those things you got to ask your partner of because yeah, some guys yeah, love some, it. Yeah, some guys true. love the that's, simplicity of a handy. That's true. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, your man. He'll love it. This is from a gay dude. Yeah, if you're game. <laughs> yeah, okay. or if he's game. That's true. Yeah. Long sex. Sex should start from the moment the date starts to draw us in, boys. Yeah, kind of unpack that at the start. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough thing for men to sort of wrap their head around and something we'll never fully understand. But mm. um, that arousal process is, yeah, it's, it starts with the emotional intimacy and, mm. the, and the flirtation. Not always, but often. All right. Uh, emotional mental foreplay is the best. You can make a girl crave, crave is all in caps, you with the right words. Yeah. What are those words? I'm six foot. <laughs> Rich. No. Yeah. That's, um, <laughs> um, that's all they'd be saying on another podcast. That's it. Uh, lick, lick or spit on the tip before we put it in. <laughs> I love how all the, all the ones that you can tell which ones are from women and which ones are from men. Men are like, oh, yeah, when you touch the dick, make sure that you use your tongue on the top and your cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> and the women are like the date start the, the the sex starts on the date. Use <laughs> your word. Yeah, so uh, funny. Uh, kisses everywhere and look into their eyes while thrusting. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. yeah, eye contact can be very sexy. Yeah, there's a limit to it. I feel like you, you, the whole time. Yeah, you don't want to like dead, <laughs> dead staring into their eyes, but <laughs> yeah, it's practice. That's true. At the end of the day, yeah. it is all. All of this is. It's really just practice, isn't it? It's a, it's it's a skill. <laughs> it's a trait. Yeah, yeah. And you know, though statistically, for majority of people, the best situation or outcome for desire and sex is low stress, high affection, 
and an erotic situation. So like that desire or the talk that that woman was saying, you know, mm. it starts at the date, things like that. It's the best outcome in order for you to get sex. So you kind of got to nail all three. But the other one that I want to say for men is to learn about um, the anatomy of a vulva um, or a vagina and know what a like I know everyone says, oh, the clit makes jokes about men not knowing where the clit is. But I saw the other day a video of people. I think I can't remember if it was a man or a woman, but I a couple of people going around with the yeah. diagram. But I feel like the they've se- surely they've selectively edited that. They've found the dumbest. Even and- if they have, the amount of people that didn't know what where the clit was was shocking. You know, like it's just you gotta know you gotta know these things and you gotta know how it works and that it looks really different for some women it's hidden for some they're big so some they they become enlarged um know all these things and if you can know how to work that you will improve her sexual satisfaction greatly mm. yeah that's fair yeah yeah those jokes are such a it's such <laughs> a it's not that hard like it's just this one little place I know. It's there, like but yeah. um, those jokes are funny. Uh, we'll admit that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it makes all sense. And similarly, like knowing the alternative to that, the female G spot, um, knowing where that is, which is kind of comes into like a fingering technique, is what's really good is to finger upwards, like towards her belly button, rather than pushing downwards towards like her legs. Uh, because yeah. the G-spot sits on the roof of the vaginal canal. And curve your fingers about a little bit. an inch or two in. But yeah. not too much, then you'll scratch. Yeah, just cut your nails. Yeah. Yeah, don't go in there with <laughs> long-ass nails. Um, that's fair. I'm trying to think if there's any sort of specific physical tips like that for a man. Nothing's kind of... Um, Nothing to come well, into mind. Uh, I have a question you know, for you. When, if, you if, if it is uh, intercourse, then you can do other things, I guess, like scratching the back. That's off that a lot of people like that. Um, I don't know. Look, it is very personal. It is very individual. So the, a good tip is just yeah. to, to be if – if it is awkward and uncomfortable, particularly on a one-night stand, to just – talk about those sorts of things uh but if you're in a if you're in a relationship you should you should talk about that sort of stuff and you know in a, in a sort of positive way and not in a reactionary like oh you didn't i don't like it when you do that stop doing that but uh if mm. you can encourage people rather than you know castigating them <laughs> um so it's very contextual it's very individual another good book is uh Mating in captivity. I'm talk about that every podcast, but that's one that will help uh, maintain desire mm. in an LTR. And think about ways if if you're a guy, think about ways that you can employ some of those characteristics in the archetypal uh, sort of de- highly desirable man in a lot of these romance movies. What are the sort of traits that they have, and how can you integrate some of those? characteristics and traits into your life and your personality without actually becoming a, a you know, a, a lawless vampire, vampire or whatever <laughs> the hell it is, you know? So yeah. I think you gotta, you got to have some sort of excite, excitement factor to you. If you're too, if you're too sort of 
formulaic and safe and you just seem like a generic nice guy then yeah i'm assuming it's probably not going to be a huge it might be sort of emotionally stimulating in that he's someone i can depend on he's someone like i know is going to show up for me all the time but uh i I know it's it's annoying because you sort of think well the traits that are going to make me emotionally attractive are are the traits that are going to make me sexually unattractive so it's it's tricky uh and it's a it's a balance but yeah, as usually for most guys, as you get older, if you if you're actively thinking about that sort of stuff to a certain degree, um, and you become a more complex person, if you will, if you just have a personality that seems very generic, if your personality is the kind of personality that is being made fun of on TikTok, for example, then you know you you might want to work on some things, and that will usually make you more uh, desirable. And even in some yeah. things like that, it's just, tell me if I'm correct here. Like when a lot of these answers are saying, you know, it's, it's the, the sex starts at the date, that it starts hours before the actual penetration. It's, uh, you know, the, the mood, the atmosphere, the way you're speaking, the way you're connecting and all the little things add up, you know, what, what you might be wearing and how she's sort of feeling in that moment as well. And you know, how you can sort of drive that desire and, and move it in a direction towards uh, towards the sex without sort of directly saying, yeah, no, I want to I have sex with you tonight at 8 p.m. or whatever it might be. Um, you know, the, mm. even like the, the, the food, the, every, everything about that, uh, the atmosphere that's leading up to it seems like well, a lot, but it can it come can... naturally after a while if you've sort of thought about that a bit. I think that it can be even simplified to just, you know, enhancing or, or bringing in more flirt, flirtation and banter into your day-to-day communication. So, like, if I had a partner who was pretty unaffectionate, didn't really pay much attention to me, sitting on the couch watching footy and then the game finishes and he comes up and tries to have sex with me, chances are I'm not going to be that turned on. But if I have a guy that continuously you know, throughout every single day, basically, is warm and affectionate, always coming up to give me a kiss on the cheek or hug me or say you're beautiful and things like that. When I do approach him or he approaches me for sex, I'm way more likely to be instantly ready to become sexually desired because that's just the nature of our relationship. But when it's that contrast, that's why women always talk about feeling desired versus feeling used because they want to feel desired all the time and it's not like a massive amount of effort to hold your partner's hand sometimes or walk around her with your arm around her or be physically affectionate or find out what their love language is it might be acts of service um which is why this response varies massively because they might be like when he does the dishes i get turned on find out what their love language is do the love language quiz and do the we should try.com quiz, which I always talk about. And people always message me being like, what's that quiz you talk about where you anonymously figure out, fill out what you're into sexually. And then it emails you and your partner what you had in common so that you can bring that into your, into the bedroom. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. All of that is great. Um, I suppose the, the, the other, uh, I guess, perspective on that is something like if you're if you're a man who's you know working really hard and and trying try, you know trying reasonable things to maintain the desire in a relationship, but then 
uh, if your girlfriend was like, I don't know, for example, like I know State of Origins on tonight, you have your time watching that, and you know maybe I'll even I'll make you some dinner and 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 mm. uh, bring a couple of beers for you, then he is gonna be so in love with you at that point. So, <laughs> I guess that's the can go both ways in that in that sense yeah as well. exactly so, there's nothing wrong i know a lot of women might hear that and think like oh okay you know that goes against i guess the modern mantra of you know i'm not some 1950s housewife or i'm not saying that should be the norm in the relationship but if you do but men like need that, to be seduced too and men should get exper- experience being seduced too it's not just like a ah oh, he'll be ready for sex whenever i want it like Mm. put in the effort to seduce your partner i think that's a, a big key for longevity and sexual interest yeah and wanting to serve mm. each other and please each other to a reasonable yeah. degree um if you're putting in the effort uh any any concluding concluding little tips we can uh what if someone's sitting there with a notebook and they haven't really you know because again i know these a lot of these things are kind of vague and for a lot of men who maybe operate more very you know in a, in a hyperlogical and rational way they just want all right at this point in the night this is exactly what i do at this point this is exactly what i do uh, yeah i think that if you want to learn about women's desire and sexuality learn that from women so listen to podcasts that women have made or books and things like that read the come as you are book um that i keep talking about things like that vice versa same for women that want to learn about men's sexuality it's probably best learnt from men um and their experiences and what gets going what gets them going communicate really openly educate yourself and just know that it's not a one-size-fits-all so what someone might find super super sexy the next person may not so it's there's not really something that you can just build all your skill in and be amazing at um because it's not going to be the same for everyone across the board, which is why communication is so essential in sexual intimacy. That's it. Love that. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully that uh, helped some people out there. Uh, and of course, in the in the comments, I, I actually do know that guy is not wrong. I, I haven't been deleting comments, but there was a setting way down in the advanced YouTube default settings, which was hold potentially inappropriate con- comments. And that was ticked. Now that's the default. <laughs> and I didn't realize. So I've now unticked that. So I was not deleting comments, I promise. And now that is unticked. So anyone who says whatever they want, I'm, I'm all for that. Do not, I will never censor anything. So you can, you can comment away. Be as triggering the, as you my like. My favorite thing is, is that he just wanted to make comments about how talking shit about us. <laughs> so now Mate, you can. You can do that. Go, go for it. <laughs> Happy for days. It. Yeah. What's the other one? Oh, why is Eliza in love with a tradie? Classic Aaron. It's seen on every bloody podcast. There's like nine in a row. <laughs> and then someone commented the other week being like, um, like get over it or whatever. It said something about me and he's like, what's this got to do with Eliza? <laughs> like, what? I don't know. He's a... He's a funny one. He has something against tradies. Oh, man hates tradies, man. Yeah. <laughs> and Adrian was reading them being like, it's so weird seeing this and seeing people like talk about me and my job because someone was like, her partner's a landscaper. He doesn't fix toilets. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. Hey, there's nothing um, wrong. Look, plumbers, very, 
look all right. Plumbers uh, make the most a lot of money in trade. Very. Uh, <laughs> well, what? Look, most degrees are kind of useless. You know, they're only useful because there's an army of uh, tradespeople and construction workers that have built a society that allows us to have to do things like this, talk about you know how to lick the balls in the shaft. But we wouldn't be able to do this without you know hordes of mostly men building all the pipes and the electricity and everything to allow this to happen. So you know, at the end of the day, if society collapses, which look at if you're looking at inflation and the and China and Russia right now, hey, maybe it will. It's not going to be the men with uh, degrees in philosophy that are going to be in high demand, okay, in an economic collapse. So think about that. And it won't be the comedians yeah. either. It won't be the comedians and the podcasters. I will lose literally all status. So you know what? The, the tradies are kings. So <laughs> shout out. Um, all right. Well, thank you for thank you for listening, guys. Um, neilcolehatka.com slash podcast if you want to send in a question, topic, or shout out. Check out our new sponsor, imearthy.com.au. If you like this, like this little T-shirt I got here, very sexy. Um, I yep, I am e a r t h i e dot com dot a u, and we will see you next time. Follow follow Sex Sales podcast on Instagram and TikTok. We'll see you next time. See you next week. <laughs>